guys, welcome to Dance Matters Podcast. Proudly brought to you by Crystallized Costumes, the place for all your costume needs and adrenaline dance competitions. Dance Matters Podcast is designed to celebrate all things dance and the performing arts industry. The place to be inspired, motivated and educated. We are your hosts, Kaylee and Charlie. Today's guest, Daniel Weingarten, is an incredible young dancer who is definitely making his mark on the professional dancing world. As a hard-working and talented dancer and choreographer, there is no doubt that he's headed for an amazing career. But Daniel's journey hasn't been without its struggles and challenges. Throughout the years, dance has become an increasingly competitive and challenging environment, and whilst there is an abundance of training opportunities available, they aren't always accessible to all families, largely for financial reasons. At times, Daniel's family, like many others, felt that strain of trying to keep up, yet it's these challenges that he credits for making him resilient and grateful. They are the reasons he values every opportunity and has such a strong work ethic. Daniel applied himself to his training at Newtown Performing Up and then at the next step full-time and was rewarded by securing a job in the international cast of West Side Story. He was then cast in Opera Australia's La Traviata. But before we explore Daniel's career highlights, let's take it back to little Daniel growing up in a house full of music. I think what first drew me to dance was probably uh, the love for music which I grew up having. My mum's a violin teacher, so I was always sort of around a musical family. I was always playing instruments and... I think it sort of goes hand in hand that that turned into movement. And I was actually doing gymnastics when a year one teacher at my primary school sort of said, maybe you should transition over to dancing. I think you're a little bit tall to become a gymnast. (laughs) So she gradually invited me actually into her own little family studio. And that became a big part of my life for the next, you know, 15 years, sort of. So from the ages of six up until up until now, really, I've been a part of this beautiful little studio in Balmain called Honey Brooks. And yeah, that's where everything started. That's where I got yelled at in ballet. And that's where, you know, everything really kicked off with my passion and love for it. So that year one teacher really brought me into the, uh, the beautiful world of dance. So yeah. So you started at the age of six. What was your training like growing up? You mentioned you did ballet. Did you do all styles? I went to a really old school studio in Sydney called Honeybrook. So this place has been around for, I think it's 60 or 70 years now. So we would, and when I say we were doing old school jazz, we would do old school jazz, you know, really strong, sharp lines, really intense ballet and a lot of tap as well. I think a lot of the stuff that I trained in has helped me a lot now because it wasn't current. What we were doing was sort of stuff you'd more see in the 80s to 90s, but because of that, we sort of learned how to build that really strong push that you see in those pull-out dances. So, yeah, that's where a lot of the training that I have, I would say, is also jazz and just really full-on ballet. We were doing a lot of ballet, a lot of ballet three or four times a week. So, yeah, it was fantastic though. Loved it. Do you see that as an important skill to develop? Is ballet really important to you? Oh, my gosh. It is the most important skill out of all of them anything hip-hop tap jazz I don't care what you're doing if you even take away the skills that you're learning the discipline that is required to get through that craft is just unlike anything else and until you've done it you don't understand how difficult it is so yeah I 100% back ballet training through and through all the way to the end I think if you haven't got it you're a step down not in 
a negative way, but I think it just brings everything so much further forward in terms of everything, particularly in theatre as well. Like working, you can always tell the people who've been ballet trained from younger, and it's not a thing that anyone's comparing to each other, but those people who don't have that training, they feel so like, oh my gosh, everything's so much harder because it hasn't been drilled in them from such a young age. So yeah, big ballet fan, love it. Love it lots and lots and lots. <laughs> when did dance become more than just a hobby? When did you realise you had something special? I think potentially around 15 or 16. I was sort of trying to balance between my love of music a bit with dance. I wasn't sure whether I wanted to go down a bit more of like a creating music path or a dance path and of course the in-between of those is a little bit of theatre which I didn't realise at the time but I I went to Newtown High School for Performing Arts and was in a really strong ballet program there so I was doing a lot of auditioning for ballet schools and contemporary schools but I hadn't really looked into the theatre realm yet and that's when I sort of came across in year 12 the next step professional course which was sort of being marketed as a bit more of a balance between a ballet contemporary and a commercial musical theatre course, which I hadn't seen before because I feel like when you normally look for a full-time course after year 12, you're looking at something that's PA or you're looking at something that's just contemporary. So they were kind of trying to morph the two worlds together into one year. So I think that's why I sort of went with it. But I'd say the passion and the flick in my head sort of happened, I guess, in year 10 or 11 when I I sort of went, okay, sort of got to start getting serious now. And obviously, if you want to do ballet, that's really the time when you need to shine. So yeah, everything started getting serious around there. You mentioned you went to Newtown. Was that high school something that really fostered your love of dance and helped your training? (sighs) Yeah, I I went to, before I went to Newtown, I was at a, just a public school out in Western Sydney. And the opportunity we had there was, it was great for what they could offer us. But in terms of dance and the performing arts, we just didn't have anything like Newtown. I mean, getting to Newtown and having probably some of the best studios Sydney has to offer, even outside of, you know, dance schools, was just eye-opening. And the way that that extracurricular program fosters young talent and pushes people in the right direction is is really phenomenal for being a public school that place is is really doing great things for training young performers the ballet and contemporary that they have there is unparalleled we were working with the master of australian ballet at one point you know and we were just public school kids we were paying 10 bucks a lesson or something whereas going to a ballet school which i couldn't afford was <laughs> that's thousands of dollars a, month, a term sometimes a month as well so we were we were even offered privates with these people you know because they could afford to sort of give that to us so I'm a big fan of that place. I think everything they do is amazing. And the training in contemporary and ballet technique that they take up to year 12 with their students, particularly for the ones who want to do it, is almost the same in terms of level as those at a full-time ballet school or contemporary school. So, yeah, big, big, big fan of Newtown. Love that place. It's great. You completed full-time training at The Next Step. Why did you choose that full-time training program? They were a brand new course when I decided to audition for them. And what they were really offering was that merge of the two sort of disciplines of the performing arts world and the contemporary world. Having someone like Jason Winters, who's so all around that, (laughs) and then Chris and Laura, who were a bit more in the commercial, maybe musical theatre side, 
it's a great balance between both. So that's what drew me to it and also sort of mentorship program that they were offering. They really wanted to make sure that they were carrying kids through outside of, well, not kids, I'd say young performers through outside of full time as well. And because of that, those two have become great mentors to me now as well. But yeah, and it also if we get down to it as well, I couldn't afford full time and I auditioned for the ADF and I received a scholarship and that was sort of like, I was really in that year of year 12, I was, I was going, I couldn't afford to do full time unless I had a scholarship. My parents couldn't afford it for me. It wasn't an option. And I sort of said to myself, I'm just going to honor the first studio that offers me the full and then I'll go with it. So I'd had a few offers from different places before, but as soon as they said, we'll sponsor you a hundred percent, I said, sure, I honor that and I respect that. And it was a great choice and I'm really happy I went with it. When you graduated, was there ever a moment you wondered if you could make a career out of dance or did you book your first role pretty much straight away? This is a very interesting question because I do find a lot with some podcasts and interviews, it's always with people who have straight away booked something and have been back to back their whole life. And I'm not going to lie, I'm so thankful when I was in full time. Yeah, I was in full time when I booked West Side Story, absolutely. I was toward the end, I think I had another term left. I was actually working at a little retail store when they called me and I was crying on the phone for ages and ages. But I think what we don't speak about enough is those people who leave full time and then don't book something for a very long time and it takes them ages and ages and ages because I was so fortunate enough to book that. But then immediately after, there was a couple months where I was going, what am I doing? And of course, in those moments, you always have those doubts. So as much as I, you know, as, as soon as I walked into that contract, I was kind of like, all right, we're set in for the long run. I'm going to push everything I can. I always have those moments and they're always difficult because although some people will come on and they'll say, I was back to back of every single contract my whole life. It's, it's not true. There's always a moment there that you find that you have to work for a couple months or half a month or two weeks, even a week sometimes. And you're going, all right, what am I doing? Is this right for me? So yeah, I find out a lot of the time, but I think the mentoring that I have around me with my close friends and also people above me really helped me get through. But yeah, I'm seeing a lot in some of my friends now that they are just on that, you know, uphill grind to push, push, push all the way through because they're waiting for that first job. So I think it's really important we talk about those people who are still trying because everyone makes it one day if they work hard enough, I think. So yeah. And we do have a lot of full-time dance programs now that are pushing out a lot of dancers into the industry that would have limited yeah. amount of jobs. Mm. Oh, it, it's very, very difficult. It's an incredibly hard industry to break into. But I find even the first three months out of full-time, as I've watched a few full-time years come through now, and I've taught a lot of them as well, you can almost tell immediately in the class that you're teaching who will be around for the next six months, who will be around for the next year who will be around for the next two years and then who will be around, you know, with you until you're sort of working with them at some point because it's in the drive that you see within them. And I always say, particularly in musical theatre, it's not about if it's going to happen, it's always about when, if you're pushing hard enough because the beautiful, wonderful thing with musical theatre is there is a place for everyone. There is always a character in some show somewhere that will fit you perfectly. It's just about waiting for that time to come. And I always say that in, in classes that I'm teaching at full time and whatever else, because I always think that people think 
that these things happen straight away if it's built for you or whatever else but it's really just like a matter of luck I'm really tall I'm six foot four and coming into something like Westside happened for me because half of the cast was really tall half of the cast was really short they needed someone who could swing someone who was six foot six and I was six foot four but could also cover people who were slightly shorter than that as well so that for me just worked perfectly but if it had been a different situation, may have not been as well. So, yeah, I always say you have to, like, if it's built for you and if you're built for it, you push through because your time comes. I always believe it. And it's happening to so many people now. The music theatre industry in Australia is just, despite Omicron, is absolutely booming. And there are so many jobs going out to people who are so, so hardworking and have been waiting for them for a long time. So... As you mentioned, you were cast in West Side Story, who toured Australia and Germany. What was that experience like? Touring Australia and Germany was absolutely phenomenal. We actually went to New Zealand for a little bit as well, which was really special because my family's from New Zealand. But no, it was amazing. I mean, I was 19, so it was a very, very big wake-up call to sort of, you know, learn how to look after yourself, Danny, and do all those things, but it was very special. I made a lot of long-time friends and I made a lot of, you know, mistakes, not in terms of the show, but just in learning how to grow up and make the right decisions towards your health and your happiness when you're overseas. Because you find when you're overseas in a country like Germany when no one speaks the same language as you, is the only family you've got are kind of the cast that you're with. So it becomes very isolating sometimes. So I found it really difficult at points, but, yeah, it, it was great. And I think if, if you get thrown into touring at that age as well, you're able to tour at any age. So it was a very special experience. It was very hot, very, very hot in Germany in summer, and you would never expect that because it gets so cold over winter. But... Yeah, it was lovely. Loved it. Loved it so much. And Australia was amazing as well, of course. Being able to perform for like the first teachers who ever taught me anything in Sydney was just such a special moment. You were cast in Opera Australia's La Traviata on Sydney Harbour. Did you enjoy that? That was my favourite contract I have ever done. I had the best time. The first time we did it, we obviously got locked down because that was just as coronavirus was coming into the country, I guess, back in 2020. But thankfully, we got back on our feet that year after and it was just, it was magical. Shannon Burns is just one of the most phenomenal, not just choreographers, but people to work with. She is just so passionate and caring. I think what makes the difference with a choreographer like her as well is she's lived that dancer's life. She's gone through those contracts. She's stuck it out all the way through, and now she's transitioned over, which just means for us to work with someone like her, it's just such a beautiful experience. So much passion and love for, like, the dancing that we're doing and also for us, and we would always, you know, give it back to her, so... That was when we were all flooding as well in March this year, you know, when all the rivers were overflowing Mm -hmm. and stuff out in Penrith. So there were some real hard moments. We were taking in the rain for, I think, a whole week. We were shut down twice. One of our our dance captain, Veronica Beatty, got stuck over the river and was having to travel sort of five hours to get to us. But all of those obstacles and hurdles made it so worth it. And how ironic, we were doing all of these tech days in full rain and it was pouring and we were wearing these little ponchos and just sticking it out hoping for the best and as soon as it opened we didn't have a drop of rain for the next month so 
Yeah, it was sort of like the silver lining, I guess. It was very special and I had the best time, so yeah. You've appeared in a couple of music videos. Is that quite different to your performing on stage with your musical theatre? Yeah, I've appeared in a couple small videos, but I've also choreographed a couple, and I'd say I've probably choreographed a little bit more than I've appeared. Yeah, it's it's a very different experience. I haven't worked a lot in commercial performing arts at the moment, just because I have been quite busy with theatre, really, and it is such a different world. It is so different. Theatre people are unlike no other and so are, you know, producers and directors on things like music videos. They are both beautiful things to be a part of, but they have very different qualities you require as a performer and as a creative as well. So, yeah, my experiences on music videos and other things like that have been fantastic, but, yes, very, very different from what I'd say theatre. Theatre, you're really stuck in this world for as long as they want you to be. So you're there, you know, 40 hours a week for maybe 10 weeks or a whole year sometimes, whereas a music video is a very high-pressure environment because things need to happen within a day to make sure it's all churned out. So the pressure's really on, whereas theatre's a bit more, we've got time to make this really good, guys. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, that's when your training comes into practice of all those high-pressure days with your teachers yelling at you and things like that because that's what they push you towards so yeah is that where your passion lies like if you had a choice to go to new york and be on broadway would you prefer to be in musical theater or would you head to la to do some commercial work oh gosh i have no idea at the moment (laughs) i've been speaking to my friends the past few weeks and i've just been like oh gosh it's that weird trick point where I'm now established in musical theatre and I'm really loving it but my heart really lies with choreography but I'm not even sure now whether it lies in commercial or whether it lies in choreographing a Broadway show because I have such a great taste of both those worlds right now which is a beautiful point to be at and I'll never take that away but I am doing an America trip if that happens in February and I think I'm really just going to focus and you know figure out what I want to do what I want to see and where I want to be one day so I guess I'll be able to answer that in (laughs) a couple months hopefully but for now for now um, I'd probably say choreography and commercial just because that's what I'm doing right now but then I'm working at the theater next year so not sure (laughs) yeah we'll we'll see soon we'll see soon I'm sure I'll I'll have a game plan that'll be ready to put into action so yeah you mentioned that you're doing a lot of choreography and I know you do a lot of teaching as well when did you first start choreographing I mean, when I first started was probably when I was six or seven, you know, doing (laughs) little performances with my brothers and sisters, as I'm sure a lot of us do when we're very young. But I actually, I think the first time I ever put a piece together, which is going to sound ridiculous, was at probably 10 or 11, my primary school had like a 60-year reunion or something like that. And they were like, Danny, you can put together a group. So I somehow at the age of 10 muscled together like 30 or 40 kids at my primary school to do this dance, whatever it was. It's probably horrendous. I think I um, found it a few years later and deleted it up one of those really old school like camcorders or something. And I went, this is embarrassing. But I think that's sort of where the passion came from. But I didn't really start properly choreographing until I was in full time, I'd say. Um, which actually happened after I went to America. So I guess we'll really see what happens this time I come back. Might be a new something else. Um, but 
I was doing little concept videos just with my friends. I just really wanted people to dance the stuff that I was doing. I would do things like hold a fake open class where I would send a group message to my friends and I'd be like, guys, can you please come? I'll bring food, eat, and I'll bring a video recorder. and I'll, I'll video you guys. You can eat and then you can go. Like, you don't have to pay anything. It's fine. Um, so I started by doing that and then it sort of gradually evolved into um, – smaller bits and pieces but I do a lot of teaching now as well and I really really enjoy that I'm I'm doing a lot of um at the moment just like sort of fly in do a routine for like six or seven hours and then fly out and I really thrive off that sort of high pressure environment um and I really like it and it's really beautiful seeing how kids rise up to the occasion and work hard and you know and and I'm so talented these days I'm like oh my goodness being at 10 years old having to learn a routine in six hours you'd be asking the world of me to get that out of me no way no way no way my goodness um but yeah I've also been a big part of the faculty at um Brent Street and of course the next step this year as well um and that's been a new endeavor for me as well working with really high level kids that's been really really special but yeah this this year because I was on tour with West Side Story I I also got to work with kids in Perth and the Gold Coast as well because we were up there so Working with Dynamite, Dance Force, Vanguard, and MSJ as well in Perth was, it was really, it was really special. And it was really great to see that, you know, from teaching at somewhere like Brent Street and the next step in Sydney to teaching at Dance Force and Dynamite and then going all the way to Vanguard and MSJ, our dancers in Australia are just amazing. And, you know, we're so lucky that the training we have, not just in Sydney, carries on throughout the whole country. So, that was really, really cool to see and see how hard these studio owners work to keep up and, you know, make sure their kids are the best. What do you enjoy about choreograph? I think the creative bug really runs deep in the family because my mum works in music, of course. She's a music teacher at a primary school. And then above her, her grandmother was, you know, an illustrator and my grandmother is a leather work person and my, my auntie's in stained glass as well. It's kind of just, I think it's just slowly come down as something that we all really like to do. We like to create things. I like to see my work come together. It makes me so happy, you know, letting someone do something that makes them happy as well. And that that moment where everyone goes, oh, my gosh, it actually looks great. It looks amazing. Is is I really live for that. But, yeah, I think I just have this thing where I need to create. And even in lockdown, I was sort of sitting there for hours. We were locked down in Perth in, um, on West Side Story and we were locked in for a whole week. And the Perth lockdown rules, if we think it's bad here, oh my goodness, so full on over there. They wouldn't let you walk down the street with anyone. There were cops everywhere. It was, mm-hmm. it was full on. So that, that lockdown was like in your room by yourself, you know, no walking to the shops with anyone, no exercising with anyone. So, yeah, there was hours where I was just sort of sitting there with, I didn't even have a mirror, so I was sitting there with my MacBook just like this on, you know, iMovie or on Photo Booth, just making things up for hours and hours and hours. It's just something that I feel like I have to do to keep myself happy. Even when I'm on something like Westside, I'm still choreographing things or coming up with ideas. I think for me, it's just a bit harder to put the things together, but that's coming really slowly and naturally. So, I think hopefully onto great things very soon. How would you describe your style? Oh my gosh, my style. I would say I've got a commercial style, but I'd say it comes with a theatrical flair for sure. I'm starting to really change my mindset around routines and choreography to the intention 
I really like people performing things, knowing what they're performing and how they're performing it before they even start dancing. I think doing a contract like with Traviata with Shannon Burns as well, her influence has really carried over to me, but in a more in a more commercial sense. She does really beautiful sort of Latin shapes. I think I've really started taking that on within a lot of my routines and, and the choreography I do as well. A lot of my routines, I like to be really dramatic with a lot of props and a lot of, you know, space. I like high numbers, high production, just because I feel like it makes you feel something when you're in the audience and you see all these people coming forward or or even a small group coming forward, but they know exactly what they're doing and why they're doing it. So, yeah. (laughs) What is your favourite genre to choreograph? I think my favourite genre, it'd be like a commercial theatrical flair sort of thing. I love choreographing to Lady Gaga's stuff because she always has a big story behind whatever she's singing. And that means I can sort of echo it into my routine or piece. Yeah, commercial with a flair of theatre, I'd say. You also do some teaching. What do you enjoy about teaching? Oh, I love teaching. I've been teaching at the studio that I was raised at for 10 years, the past few years, and that has been the most rewarding thing I've ever done. This this studio, I keep saying it, Honeybrook, just because I'm such a big fan. It's this small little town hall in Balmain. We have no mirrors. It's a wooden floor and a little bar on the side, and that's kind of it. And everything else is blood, sweat, and tears and lots of passion. So... I mean, being able to teach at a place like that and then go to somewhere like French Street, which mm-hmm. is probably one of the most established places you could possibly go to, just means I get to see every corner of a dance possible. I get to work with people who are the best dancers in the country, and I get to work with kids who are quite literally just starting out. So, yeah, I, I love teaching because I get to see the growth as well. Seeing these kids at Honey Rooks go from no commercial training to sort of now being able to sit within you know a place like Brent Street with no problem has been a really really rewarding thing for me and I hope to you know continue that legacy there which brought me up to where I am now and then also teaching at somewhere like Brent Street just means that I can I can see how how hard and far kids can push and how far they can go so it's it's a beautiful thing and I, I love just seeing I love seeing whoever I'm teaching whether it's a full-timer or you know, someone who's in a part-time program, I love seeing them do something that they'd never thought they'd be able to do and how that lights up their face. That makes it very special as well. You know when you're in a class and someone gets picked out and everyone's like, oh, they're getting picked out today. How interesting. And then they smash it and they go, oh, my gosh, I'm actually pretty good. That moment for me just makes everything worth it. I love it. Love it. It's great. What do you find most challenging about teaching? Oh, I'd say, like, in terms of teaching, I was doing a lot of teaching in lockdown last year and toward the end. I think there was a moment last year where I was sort of doing, I think it was like 16 or 17 routines a week, like back to back, because just that's what people needed done and that's what they were looking for. And I found that with creative block just so hard. The teaching itself is not hard to sustain. I think if you're teaching something like technique or syllabus the whole year, you need to be built for that in terms of the way that you're able to motivate yourself to keep pushing and, you know, inspiring and educating. But in terms of what's hard for me, it's really the creative block. I think when you're teaching children as well, you're not creating the most incredible 
amazing stargazing routines all of the time because you just need them to be able to do, you know, be able to learn and put something on stage. So that was really hard for me to sort of try to tone everything back and really watch who I was working with and make them look the best that they can, but then do that 17 times in a week. (laughs) So that was hard. But yeah, I think in terms of teaching, it needs to be built into you to be able to continuously educate. And if it's a hard thing to do one day a week or two days a week, it's fine, but it needs to still be something that comes naturally, I think. Otherwise, otherwise, what are you pushing for? You know, you need to be loving it. Otherwise, you mentioned getting a creative block. Where do you get all of the inspiration from to keep coming up with your choreography? Oh gosh. I mean, it's, I'm thankful I have so many great teacher friends as well. One of my best friends, Sasha Kendall, is a huge part of her studio Rhapsody. And we are sort of like hand in hand in making sure we're keeping each other on track and, you know, letting each other, oh, I don't think that idea is great or this or that. So I think having friends who can sort of support you and help you, she's given me some of the best routine ideas I've ever had. She's absolutely, and I I think I've done the same thing for her in a sense. But yeah, I think having people around you helps. There's a lot of choreographers who actually run sessions on this who, who, you know, walk you through the ways that they have their creative blocks and push through it but yeah I'd say just being around friends for me helps me a lot and just getting into a studio and being by myself and playing songs and just making sure I know what it's all about helps as well and also writing formations before you get to the class is a lesson I learned far too late (laughs) I think that would have helped me yes in leaps and hurdles far sooner than it did so yeah you have an agent Do you think that is important for a person wanting a professional career? I think having an agent, I'm firstly going to say being with Jeep Management has been one of the best decisions of my career ever. I couldn't see it going anywhere else without them. PJ Clark is just, you know, and his team with Ash and Nikki are just so phenomenal in the way that they treat, you know, us as not just clients, but as humans and performers and artists. They are just the most wonderful people and they've been doing it for so long that they just know how we work. So for me personally, I couldn't see my life without them and they've been fantastic with my mentoring and, you know, pushing me and whenever I have a down day and I go, no, keep going, keep going, keep going, enough of that. But again, what I find with a lot of questions like that is it's very relative to who you are as a person because on the other end of that, there's a lot of people without agents. If I just talk about theatre for a second as well, there's a lot of people without agents, even in theatre, who have been working for, you know, almost, I mean, the ones I know have been working for over 10 years. It's just whether you need that mentorship, whether you need that access. If you don't know where to go, they are so helpful. And if you need that extra push as well when, when you're feeling down, they're really there for it. But yeah, I, I mean, a lot of theatre auditions at least, there's very few now in Australia that are fully closed calls where only agents are able to submit people for them. Most auditions you can now apply for on the portals of the producers' websites as an independent artist or whatever else. So it's not an impossible thing to do. It's just a lot easier. And I think what happens as well, 
a lot of people don't realize when you book a show or you book something, which is so exciting, if you don't have an agent, you then have to negotiate with that producer or that person of power, the money yourself. And that's a very awkward thing to do for some people. So they really eliminate that, that border. And I mean, when I got with Jeep Management when I was 19 as well, they went into negotiations straight away with my contract and the percentage that they took, they made up in the money that they negotiated for immediately. So I kind of went, you've just paid for yourself. It's fine. It's no problem to me. Um, but yeah, again, it's very relative. In commercial, a lot more important, I'd say. A lot of the big gigs only go through agents. It's very rare. I think a few people like Mitchell Woodcock and whoever else will message people individually about projects, but for the most part, it's it's through the agents. So I'd say that for commercial dance, but musical theatre, it's a little bit more. You can do what you like. Now, you're still really young with an incredible career ahead of you, I'm sure. But what have been the career highlights for you so far? I'd say La Traviata was probably one of my favourite contracts ever. Even being on Westside recently, I got to go on Barif, who's the lead in West Side Story, with you know a few minutes' notice on one of our last shows. And that was a really special moment because... That was something I hadn't done in over two years. I hadn't teched it. I hadn't really run through it. And I just had to push through for that that moment because you you have to get that show on the stage. So getting through that show and then sitting there after and going, oh, my gosh, I actually got through this was a real highlight for me. And also booking Cinderella straight after was, was very special too. I actually I finished West Side Story, I think, on the Saturday or the Sunday I moved down to the Gold Coast to do some teaching on the Monday or the Tuesday and I was kind of going, I don't know what I'm going to do. My partner's in Melbourne with Moulin Rouge right now. So I'll move down and see him and then I'll figure out my steps from there. And I was in the Uber down to the Gold Coast and I got the call for Cinderella and that was such a special moment because I kind of went, oh my gosh, I've just, I feel like I've made it if I'm able to walk. And back then, Cinderella was meant to start in October before all of this extra stuff had happened. I was like, I've been able to actually walk from one thing to the next thing, which I hadn't done immediately before. I'd always had a couple months in between. So that was a big moment as well. I was kind of like, oh my gosh, I've done it. <laughs> but yeah, and, and choreographing for Coda Banks when I was, you know, a couple of years ago, was really, really special as well. So yeah, but those, those are my highlights, I'd say. <laughs> You've had so many highlights for someone so young, but what have been the biggest challenges that you've faced? Definitely my mental health, I would say. It's something people are slowly, particularly mental health in men, I think, isn't spoke a lot about. And it's a big, big thing for a lot of people working in the industry, including myself. I think walking onto Westside at such a young age in such a high-stakes show was a really big, difficult decision that I wasn't prepared for at that age mentally. When you swing a show as well, you're kind of standing at the back watching everything happen and just trying to figure out how you'd fit in if something went wrong. And at 19, that's a really difficult concept to grasp. After you've just been in a full-time course that's all about you're the star and you're this and you're that, it was a big thing for me to realise that what I was doing was just, you know, helping the show. It was all for the show. It wasn't for me. So those are those are really hard moments when I was in that year, but they've helped me grow into a very strong person. But I would say my mental health is something that follows me around every now and then, and that self-doubt is really 
really hard to push through sometimes. So that's probably my biggest challenge. If I talk about challenges before full-time, I'm not from a very wealthy family. And even in year 11 and 12, I had to pull back my training a lot because my parents couldn't afford a lot of the classes that I wanted to be taking. So that was when kind of the pressure got put on to sort of start auditioning and trying to get into these courses. And again, that was a big resilience building, you know, I guess, exercise. <laughs> but yeah, the money problems were, were just something that really followed me around up until I started that first contract. Even in full time, I was, there was a point where I was, I was actually helping support my family. So I was working, you know, I would be at full time, 8.30 till 4pm. And then I would go work 5 to 8 or on Sundays, I'd, I'd work in the morning at 6.30 and I'd finish at 12 and then I'd drive the next job and work 1 to 6 and then I'd be at full time the next day or I'd be doing shows at night on a Saturday night just to get through it so I guess those problems have always been the biggest but also big big resilience builders and also character building I think when someone hasn't struggled to get somewhere it's really telling when you're working with them as well um, when someone hasn't had financial struggles or hasn't had mental health problems you can always see it in the way that they interact with other people so I feel like for me it's really helped me build a broader scope on people and I, I really understand where people come from a bit more now with problems and issues not just in the workplace but in my friends as well so yeah money was a struggle for your family as you were growing up I'm sure there are a lot of people who struggle with that today and it seems there is more and more pressure to do a heap of private lessons in order to keep up in the competition world do you think that not being able to do all of those lessons impacted your ability to make a career out of dance? Well, I always say it's about the long game. If you're looking for immediate results and immediate success, absolutely. Those privates, those, you know, those quick one hours every single week and those competitions are so great for building those performers to be at that level right then. But I would say to those parents, if your kid is interested in looking at doing this as a professional career, that it's about the long game and to trust your teachers in class teaching because I never had privates ever my whole life. And that built me up to be a really strong, determined person because we could never afford that. But yeah, it's not something that's essential. It's something that helps you in the moment. And it's also individual to every kid as well. If your kid has needs extra help, just like they would at school in a certain subject, they'll need that in dance and something as well. And that doesn't need to be with a teacher supervising them. That just needs to be, you know, practice in their own home. I mean, something like tap or something like ballet is something that can be really easily taken home and worked on for a long time and I think parents are a really big part of that too so yeah I, the money thing has always been a big thing for my family we, we've never been able to afford a lot more than what we could even gosh we get to costume time at the end of the year and I remember I would just like come home with the docket and I'd be like oh my gosh can you pay it I'm so sorry um, even as a boy so we were just getting what white shirts and black <laughs> shirts <laughs> but it was yeah it's it's always been difficult but Again, it's always about that kid. If, if you want it that bad, you will get it. And I always wanted it. I always loved dance. I always wanted to do it. It didn't matter what I was doing. There was always a love for dance. And that's why I'm here today. That's why I've pushed so hard to make it happen because it wouldn't have happened otherwise. So, yeah. And I think you're right. I think it's the mindset of the child and whether they're willing to put in the hard work at home that really has the impact on whether they make a successful career out of it. Yeah. 
Absolutely, absolutely. You mentioned the self-doubt. What do you do in times of that? How do you overcome that? I think I'm such a social butterfly with things like that. I find the self-doubt for me really comes in moments, particularly in the last couple of years, as we've seen. We're spending so much time alone that I'm with my thoughts (laughs) far too much. Particularly when things go wrong, I mean, a lot of people don't speak about half of our job is getting no's, half of our job is getting all the way to the end, and you're waiting to hear if someone's pulled out or whether you're in that position, and you're waiting there for weeks and weeks and weeks at that really high level of stress and anxiety. So I always find that, you know, centering myself almost sometimes even with people outside of the industry just to feel normal for a second helps me as well. I have a beautiful support system within the dance community, but then I also have lovely friends who are just normal people. And I think, you know, going out with one of my, you know, with Sasha, my best friend, and talking about the day is is great, but it's also fantastic just talking to it, to one of my friends about it who's got no idea what's going on because they kind of go, oh, that's actually really awful or that's really hard. And and I go, oh, thank you. Nice to know that it's not just me. So it's really important to know that you're not alone. And my friends really helped me with that. And um, of course, I've actually been home with my parents for the past couple of weeks. And I haven't really seen them properly in over a, a year and a half. So it's been special being here and having that extra little bit of support as well. So, yeah. And a lot of the no's you hear in the industry have absolutely nothing to do with your performance, but more to do with maybe oh how, you looked, how tall you were. Yeah, and that's been a big thing as well, just recognising, you know, particularly for me how tall I am, and that's a strength heaps of times, and that's a downfall heaps of other times as well, and I can't do anything about that. I can't chop off my ankles. (laughs) I can't grow a little bit shorter or a little bit taller, and I just have to deal with that. And, And sometimes you see casts go out for things that you were all the way down to the end of, and you look at it and you go, you know what? I don't fit in with those that group of people at all. I would stick out like a sore thumb or I don't dance like them. And you realise really quickly um, that it just wasn't for you and, and the universe was saying something else. And, yeah, that's been a big learning thing for me this year as well. Just being able to go, it's got nothing to do with my talent. I'm working as hard as I can in all of my crafts and sort of stuff them. They don't want me. I'll go and do something else. That's fine. <laughs> So, yeah. What advice would you give to your 10-year-old self? Oh, my gosh. My 10-year-old self. I would probably say to him, I would say, you're going to work so hard, so, so hard, and it's not going to be realized for so long. But when that moment comes, it's all going to be worth it. And I would say to him, your ballet is so important, so don't be whinging and whining about it. Stay in those classes because that's what's going to book you your jobs. Not any of this other stuff. Your ballet is what's going to pull you through. Also, listen to your mum when she says go to singing lessons. That's very important as well because you're not going to realise that the theatre world is for you. And, and yeah, that's going to be very important. That's what I would say to my 10-year-old self, I guess. <laughs> What are your dreams and goals for the future? Well, I'm going to the US in a month, if it happens. Oh, my gosh, so stressed. But I'm going to go over and I'm going to give it a good go when I'm there. And I want to see if that's what I want for myself. I really want to see if Broadway's for me or I really want to see if LA's for me as well. I don't want to just be in Australia for a long time, but I want to build something here as well. Oh, it's really important to me to give back to where you come from and never forget your roots. So... I can see it's really difficult as well right now to build goals and make 
interests and stuff with what we're living through because everything that you can work for can be taken away so quickly. So we're sort of looking shorter time frame goals at the moment. So my goal right now is to go to New York and LA and see if that's right for me. My long term at the moment is probably to move on to a bigger dance musical, but also continue on. I've started a little creative company with creative direction and sort of those things. And I would love to build on that. It's really hard to build on something like that when you're on tour though. So when I'm off tour, I'd love to build on something like that. But again, as I've been saying, this whole interview, my head is in lots of places right now. It's a very uncertain time. So it's a great time. Magic happens when you don't know what you're doing, but it's going to be a very interesting next year to see where I end up. I obviously still love choreographing and I'm very excited to continue teaching next year at these studios around the country. But in terms of professional goals, I think you'll hear lots from me very soon. <laughs> and Daniel, where can people get in contact with you or find out more information about what you're up to? My Instagram is Daniel Weingarten and that's probably the best way to get to me if you're looking at teaching bookings or anything else it's danieldweingarden at gmail.com and for bookings as well through my agent at jeepmanagement.com <laughs> well daniel thank you so much it's been such a pleasure talking to you this morning thanks so much for having me it's been fantastic bye, bye. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Dance Matters Podcast. Make sure you head to Crystallized Costumes for all your costume needs. They make the most incredible costumes. And check out Adrenaline Dance Competition for well-run dance comps. They have a range of comps happening all year. And don't forget, you can find all previous episodes on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher and Apple Podcasts. We love hearing from you, so make sure you get in contact with us through our website or DM us on Instagram at Dance Matters Podcast. We would love if you get the chance to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating or review to help others find us. Remember to listen, love and learn. Catch you next time. Bye. Bye.